Thanks to all of the pyrotechnics at the first presidential debate on Monday night, and thanks to Donald Trump's Chernobyl-style meltdown over his IRS records and his business history, his Iraq war position, and the fact that he acted like basically a general baboon, it was easy to overlook the insane proposals put forward by Hillary Clinton. We shouldn't. Hillary openly advocated some of the most radical propositions in American history. Here are six of them. First, profit sharing. Hillary advocated, quote, making the economy fairer. In promoting that stupid notion, it's stupid because mutually consensual exchange is by nature fair from any objective point of view. She pushed raising the national minimum wage, which would throw thousands of people out of work, and equal pay for women's work, which means unequal pay for the same work for men. But her truly insane line came next. She said, quote, I also want to see more companies do profit sharing. If you help create the profits, you should be able to share in them, not just the executives at the top. Now, Many companies already have so-called profit sharing, you know, like owning stock benefits. On a broad level, all companies have profit sharing. You have continued employment because your company earns a profit. You don't have a share of every dollar of profit because you presumably don't get dinged for every loss. But Hillary seems to be advocating a full-scale government intervention into every business in America, letting the federal government decide how much employees should make in every industry. This, as my friend Dennis Prager pointed out today, is economic fascism. Second, clean energy. Hillary proposed we would have 10 million new jobs through government investment. This is bullcrap. Obama made the same sort of claims about his green jobs program, and then later he had to admit his administration couldn't even define what the hell a green job was. When Hillary says we must deploy half a billion more solar panels, she's operating in a Star Trek fantasy universe where carbon-based fuels are less efficient than solar power. Trump rightly pointed this out. Third, Hillary said basically everybody's racist. She pushed the notion of implicit bias. This is a new psychological buzzword pushed by the academic left saying that you're unconsciously biased, even if you don't know it, to explain why black people go to prison disproportionately. She then suggested that everyone in America was racist. Quote, I think implicit bias is a problem for everyone, not just police. But when it comes to policing, since it can have literally fatal consequences, I have said in my first budget, we would put money into that budget to help us deal with implicit bias by retraining a lot of our police officers. Unquote. There are zero proven retraining programs regarding implicit bias, or even well-regarded studies suggesting the consistent impact of implicit bias on behavior, which is why no court in America will allow, quote-unquote, evidence of implicit bias. If everybody's a racist, there's no cure for racism, and that's a constant excuse for Democrats to claim America is evil. Fourth, Hillary said we should let all the criminals out. She said criminals should be let out of prison, and she said she wanted to end private prisons, presumably without building new ones. She idiotically said private prisons create a structure where you have, quote, a profit motivation to fill prison cells with young Americans. Well, since the owners of private prisons don't do the policing, this makes no sense. Fifth, Hillary said the Iran deal was awesome. She kept praising it over and over and over and over. It's a garbage deal. Hillary knows it. She claimed to put a lid on the Iranian nuclear program. That's a lie. She claimed it contained Iran itself. That's a lie. She said it would have led to war if America blew an Iranian ship attempting to capture Americans out of the water. That's a lie, too. Hillary pushed it forward anyway. Finally, Hillary dropped a line that most people missed when she was slamming Trump for sexism. She said, this is a man who has said women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as men. Um, why is that controversial? Should women make the same amount of money for less work? Hillary is a far leftist. Trump's inadequacies and stupidities don't change that fact, of course. Her radicalism is certainly a true threat to the country. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so yesterday was debate day. And boy, oh boy, I was this close to hanging myself about 56 minutes in. But luckily for you, I watched the whole terrible thing. And all I have to say is, what the hell did you people do? What did you? What grave sins have you committed in secret that God decided to revenge himself on the nation thusly? Why in the world would you on the Democrat side and you on the Republican side of the aisle decide to nominate two monkeys to, to, to engage in the proposition, who could screw the basketball hardest? Because that's pretty much what it was last night. Don't worry, we'll go through it in detail. But first, first we have to say hello to our, our advertisers over at FrameBridge. FrameBridge is this fantastic service. I, I buy a lot of pictures, a lot of posters, and then it's very expensive to, to frame them. It can cost three, dollars $400 to frame them. You go to FrameBridge.com right now, and the way that this works is that you have a printout of a picture. You can actually send them the picture, order the frame, look at the kinds of frame that you want, and they'll send it to you. It's beautiful. I've used it myself. You can also send them your pictures yourself. You can ship it to them, and they will take care of it. I've done that, too. 
too, and uh, and they do a wonderful job with it. They're cheaper than anywhere else. They have a fantastic selection. It's FrameBridge.com. So right now, if you go to FrameBridge.com and you use the promo code Ben, you save 15% off your first order, and the pricing is really good. For your favorite Instagram, it's 39 bucks. Small photos, 59 But the real bargain is if you have like a movie poster, it's 139 If you've ever tried to frame a movie poster in a decent way, it's like three, $400. FrameBridge is great this way. They use premium real wood moldings and acid-free mat board and foam board. Their materials are top-notch. It all looks great. It looks museum quality. Go to FrameBridge.com, promo code Ben. FrameBridge.com, promo code Ben for that 15% off. And again, I've used it myself. Great, great service. All righty. So, that abate. Yes, it happened last night. It took place. And that's just more evidence that, you know, if they, as Benjamin Franklin supposedly once said that beer is evidence that God loves us, uh, this debate is evidence that God has abandoned the earth and has decided to take his talents to, uh, to, uh, to Miami. So in any case, let's jump right. So the first half hour, here's, here's the overview. The first half, first of all, let's just, we'll play the Good Trump, Bad Trump theme. This was epic Good Trump, Bad Trump. This was the ultimate episode of Good Trump, Brad Trump, Bad Trump. Thank you to Brandon Snipes for our theme song. All righty, so there was plenty. There was plenty. Okay, so first half hour. I thought watching the first half hour, Donald Trump's going to be the president of the United States. That's what I thought. Donald Trump was taking it to her on every on every field imaginable, and then the wheels fell off. Now, before we get into anything else, I'll give my, my quick overview, the debate grades. I thought Trump was an A for the first, he was an A, strong A for the first 30 minutes, and then he was not just an F, he was a Z for most of the rest of the time. Hillary Clinton always varies between a B and a C, not in terms of how corrupt and, and evil and, and how much of a liar she is, she's all of those things, but just in terms of performance. Lester Holt, by the way, I thought was absolutely biased against Trump. I think all the complaints about Lester Holt being biased were absolutely justified last night. The questions that he asked were significantly harder for Trump than they were for Hillary Clinton. He, he fact-checked Trump wrongly at least twice, as far as I'm aware, uh, and, uh, and so that was, that was really bad. But this one's on Trump. This one's on Trump, because first half hour, he's in full control. So... We'll start, we'll, we'll play it right from the beginning. You're going to get the most comprehensive coverage of this debate of anybody out there today. And if we have to cut off in the middle, because you only see the first 15 minutes on Facebook, this is why you need to subscribe at dailywire.com for eight bucks a month, uh, and uh, you get a free copy of Clavin's book. But in any case, let's jump in. So we start off the debate. Hillary walks on stage wearing Chairman Mao's favorite costume, and then, and then John, Donald Trump walks out, and he's wearing a blue tie. And, uh, and Hillary Clinton leads off with this statement. This is her statement for why she wants to be president of the United States. I want us to invest in you. I want us to invest in your future. That means jobs in infrastructure, in advanced manufacturing, in innovation and technology, clean renewable energy, and small business, because most of the new jobs will come from small business. We also have to make the economy fairer. That starts with raising the national minimum wage and also guarantee Finally, okay, equal we, we, pay we, we for women's work. Okay, okay, so this is this is okay. So she dropped out. She she dropped her normal line. It's super boring. Here's a bunch of government programs I'm going to pay for, but really you're going to pay for them. And also, I'm a woman. Yay, vaginas. So that was her. That was her lead off. And then Donald Trump started. And Donald Trump's opener was a lot stronger than Hillary Clinton's opener because he told a story. Now, the story he's about to tell is a bunch of crap, but that doesn't matter. It's a story. And it's an effective story, for what it's worth. Here is Donald Trump's story about what he thinks is the big problem with the country right now. Our jobs are fleeing the country. They're going to Mexico. They're going to many other countries. You look at what China is doing to our country in terms of making our product. They're devaluing their currency, and there's nobody in our government to fight them. And we have a very good fight, and we have a winning fight, because they're using our country as a piggy bank to rebuild China. And many other countries are doing the same thing. So his idea is that you are being screwed. And this is a more compelling message than Hillary, here's my latest program. So you are being—now, here's the problem. The first half hour, Trump, as I say, A, he did a good job in this debate— He's lying. None of this is true. Okay, the idea that there's one point where he actually called Mexico the eighth wonder of the world, like their industry, their industry was the eighth wonder of the world. Like they're building factories that were the eighth wonder of the world. If it's so great, why is he so worried about Mexicans fleeing across the border? Which is why we need the wall, presumably, right? Why would they be fleeing from the eighth wonder of the world land to this crap hole we call America if they're really destroying us on jobs? If China's schlonging us on the currency, then why is it that China has had two separate major stock market crashes in the last 12 months? 
So all of it's not true, but it's more of a compelling narrative. And Hillary, so, so this is a compelling, and then Hillary comes back, and Hillary is just a giant pile of boredom in a red suit. Now, I will say this. Her energy level was much better last night. She didn't look like a walking corpse, which was one of the things that she had to do. Her entire goal last night was don't look like a walking corpse and trigger Donald Trump. Get Donald Trump to melt down. She accomplished both of those goals. Here's Hillary, but here's Hillary talking about Donald Trump's economic plans. The problem for Hillary is, of course, that she is a programmed robot, and thus this was awful. Here's the worst of Hillary last night. I call it trumped up trickle down because that's exactly what it would be. Uh, that is not how we grow the economy. Uh, trumped up trickle down. Okay, so her program, I mean, like, goodness gracious, if that's your big line, trumped up, trickle down, you royally suck at this. Wow, really bad. And then she follows that up with, I think we come at the economy from different perspectives. I think we come at it from somewhat different perspectives. Uh, I understand that. You know, Donald uh, was very fortunate in his life, and that's all to his benefit. Uh, he started his business with $14 million borrowed from his father. And he really believes that the more you help wealthy people, the better off we'll be and that everything will work out from there. I don't buy that. I have a different experience. My father was a small businessman. He worked really hard. He printed drapery fabrics on long tables where he pulled out those fabrics and he went down with a silk screen and dumped the paint in and took the squeegee and kept going. Okay. But in all fairness to Secretary Clinton, when she started talking about this, it was really very recently. She's been doing this for 30 years. And why hasn't she made the agreements better? The NAFTA agreement is defective just because of the tax and many other reasons, but just because of the fact. Let me interrupt just a moment. But Secretary Clinton and others, politicians, should have been doing this for years. Not right now because of the fact that we've created a movement. They should have been doing this for years. What's happened to our jobs and our country and our economy generally is, look, we owe $20 trillion. Okay. So Hillary hits him with this, I grew up a poor black child in Alabama, and she hits Trump with, and you grew up really rich. And that's her first attempt to sort of jar him. It's her, it's her attempt to push him into defensiveness, and he ignores it, which is what he should do. And instead, he hits back with, you've been here for 30 years, and all of this sucks, and it's all your fault because all of it sucks. And Hillary has no comeback for that. Her only comeback for that is, no, 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 everything is great. Here's Hillary saying, well, you know, everything really is awesome, thanks to, thanks to President Obama and me. Let's stop for a second and remember where we were eight years ago. We had the worst financial crisis, the Great Recession, the worst since the 1930s. That was in large part because of tax policies that slashed taxes on the wealthy, failed to invest in the middle class, took their eyes off of Wall Street, and created a perfect storm. Okay, and so she said, her response is typical nothingness, and he, and he kills her on it. She, she says that she wants to invest in green energy, and he kicks her right in the giant posterior. She talks about solar panels. Uh, we invested in a solar company, our country. That was a disaster. They lost plenty of money on that one. Now, look, I'm a great believer in all forms of energy, but we're putting a lot of people out of work. Our energy policies are a disaster. Our country is losing so much in terms of energy, in terms of paying off our debt. You can't do what you're looking to do with 20 trillion in debt. The Obama administration, from the time they've come in, is over 230 years worth of debt, and he's topped it. And he's killing her. Right? I mean, he's destroying her on this. She's trotting out the same old Obama talking points, and he's saying, you've made things bad. And most Americans believe the country's moving in the wrong direction, and she's got nothing on this. I mean, he's crushing her. Watch this, this next exchange again. He crushes her on this. Well, actually, I will bring, excuse me, I will bring back jobs. You can't bring back jobs. Well, actually, um, I have thought about this quite a bit. Yeah, for 30 and years. I have, uh, well, not quite that long. Uh, I think my husband did a pretty good job in the 1990s. I think a lot about what worked and how we can make it work again. Well, he approved a million NAFTA. new jobs, he approved a balanced NAFTA, budget. Which is the single and worst trade deal comes, ever approved in this country. Okay, and so he hits her with the, with the NAFTA deal. Now, he's factually wrong on NAFTA. NAFTA is not the single worst trade deal in the history of the country. NAFTA has generated millions and billions of dollars in profits for American companies. There are a lot of jobs that exist in the auto industry down south that would not exist if it were not for NAFTA. Doesn't matter. 
he hits her, and because she won't embrace NAFTA, because she won't embrace free trade, he gives her the runaround on it. And watch how she just falls apart over this. And she does. She falls apart. Here is Donald Trump hitting her again on NAFTA, and then she falls apart on NAFTA and the Trans-Pacific Partnership and her history on trade, because she's not honest enough to embrace free trade. So you have two candidates, both of whom are arguing against free trade, which means they're both factually wrong, but Trump actually believes this stuff, and Hillary's been in favor of free trade before, so he just kicks her around on it. And I have your husband signed NAFTA, which was one of the worst things that ever happened well, to the manufacturing industry. That is your you go to New England, you go to Ohio, Pennsylvania, you go anywhere you want, Secretary Clinton, and you will see devastation where manufacturing is down 30, 40, sometimes 50 percent. NAFTA is the worst trade deal maybe ever signed anywhere, but certainly ever signed in this country. And now you want to approve Trans-Pacific Partnership. You were totally in favor of it. Then you heard what I was saying, how bad it is, and you said, I can't win that debate. But you know that if you did win, you would approve that, and that will be almost as bad as NAFTA. Nothing will ever well, top NAFTA. That, that is just not accurate. I uh, was against it once it was finally negotiated and the terms were laid out. I wrote about that in... You called it the gold I standard. About, well, I hope... You called I, it the gold standard of trade deals. You, you know said what? it's the finest deal you've ever seen. No. And then you heard what I said about it, and all of a sudden you were against it. Well, Donald, I know you live in your own reality, but oh, yeah. that is not the facts. The facts are, I did say, I hoped Donald. it would be. We, we can stop it there. I mean, she, she, she falls apart. He's hitting her on this, and she absolutely falls apart. And it continues along these lines. She cites her website when she says that she wants to fight ISIS, and he knocks her on that. I'm gonna you give go to her website, right and you take a look at her website. She's going to raise taxes, $1.3 trillion. Mr. Trump, I'm and gonna... look at her website. You know what? It's no different than this. She's telling us how to fight ISIS. Just go to her website. She tells you how to fight ISIS on her website. I don't think General Douglas MacArthur would like that right, too the much. Next, the next Okay, and so again, it's not a wonderful answer. It's not really an explanation of why wouldn't why would MacArthur oppose it? I mean, no one really knows, but it's a, but it's a good line. And then and then Trump hits her again. He hits her again on the economy, and Hillary goes right back to this trumped up trickle down routine. She's stuck on stupid. She's 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 got the she's got the the scratched record, and she can't get out of it. She's stuck now. Five trillion dollars that we can't bring into our country, Lester, and with a little leadership. You'd get it in here very quickly, and it could be put to use on the inner cities and lots of other things, and it would be beautiful. But we have no leadership. And honestly, that starts with Secretary Clinton. All right, you have two minutes on the same question to defend tax increases on the wealthiest American, Secretary Clinton. I, I have a feeling that by the end of this evening, I'm going to be blamed for everything that's ever happened. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> As I said, trumped up, trickle down. Trickle down did not work. It got us into the mess we were in in two and nine. Weak team, weak team. Slashing so Trump taxes. Trickle down. By the way, when when he when she plays the victim, you're blaming me for everything. He says, "Well, why not?" Good question. You were there. Why shouldn't we blame you for these things? Like, why don't you make a case? We shouldn't blame you for these things. So he's killing her. I mean, the first half hour, I'm thinking President Trump. I mean, really, like he's going to win. He's going to walk away from this debate the big winner. And she's falling apart. She doesn't know what to do because she came out into this debate expecting that Trump was not going to be on attack, that Trump was going to be sitting back, that she'd be able to sort of prod him. And after she does this, this routine about Trump up trickle down, he hits with his, with his favorite line. He says she's a typical politician, and this is sort of the capstone. This is the high point of his presidential run, right? Right now, this is the, you're about to watch it. This is the high point of his presidential run. Typical politician, all talk, no action, sounds good, doesn't work. Never going to happen. Our country is suffering because people like Secretary Clinton have made such bad decisions in terms of our jobs and in terms of what's going on. Okay, so quick break for we're going to say hello to, to Birch Gold, our other advertiser for today. Birch Gold is obviously the place you need to be if you're going to buy gold, if you're looking into investing in precious metals, then you need to take a look at them at birchgold.com slash Ben. Make sure that you add the slash Ben so that you can ensure that uh, that you uh, that, that they know that we sent you. You can also give them a call at 800-496-6663. They have tons of five-star reviews and A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They'll send you a comprehensive 16-page kit about how gold and silver can protect your savings 
how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of stocks and bonds and into a precious metals IRA, if that's something you're interested in. Call them up, ask every question in the book, make sure that you're doing what you want to do with your money, and then you work with them if you want to buy precious metals, because I really believe that they are honest, and I wouldn't say so if I didn't think so. So, birchgold.com slash Ben. So, we've shown you all of the good moments for Trump. We've shown you all of the good moments for Trump, how far he's come, how he's killing her. This is all from 6 o'clock to 6.31 Pacific time. And then the worm turns, and it happens at precisely 6.31 p.m. Directly at 6.31 p.m., the worm turns. In order for you to see what happens then, in order for you to see what happens next, you're going to have to subscribe at DailyWire.com. $8 a month will get you full access. If you get an annual pass, then you get a free copy of Andrew Clavin's book, which is exciting. I have a novel coming out. I think you get a free copy of that as well at DailyWire.com. 8 bucks a month will get you access. You get to watch it live right now. We'll continue on with the show, and there's a lot more coming up, including more debate analysis, the fallout, how Donald Trump knows he lost the debate, because he does. He knows he lost, and we'll explain how that happened. Uh, and we'll also do some deconstructing culture. So a lot coming up here. Plus, if you subscribe, you get to be part of the mailbag, which is happening fr- uh, on Thursday. We have a big week coming up. Thomas Sowell is going to be stopping by tomorrow. So lots and lots happening uh, on the Ben Shapiro Show. Make sure that you check us out. And later, if you want to download us, iTunes or SoundCloud for the number one conservative podcast in America. Okay, so Donald Trump has a magnificent first half hour. Now, a lot of it's based on things that are not true, but truth has no relevance to this campaign. I've given up on truth. Truth means nothing in this campaign. Truth was thrown out long ago when Donald Trump was was saying that that Ted Cruz's father was murdering JFK and such. Truth has no relevance. Truth went out the window when we decided that Hillary Clinton was a legitimate presidential candidate, even though Hillary Clinton is the most corrupt woman of the last half century. Okay, but last night, Trump is winning in the first half, the first half hour, and then, and then, Hillary gets under his skin. Donald Trump has the biggest ego in America. I mean, he's just, he's, he's an absolute narcissist. He's an insecure, and not just he's a narcissist, he's an insecure narcissist. Most narcissists are, but he's an insecure narcissist. And so if you hit him, he feels the necessity to defend on every front. So he moves off of his aggressive attacks on Hillary Clinton. He ignores Benghazi. He ignores the Clinton Foundation. He basically ignores the private email server. And instead, he focuses in on defending himself, and he falls apart. I mean, it's an utter and complete meltdown. I I really, I think that he went from an A to an F. I thought it was awful. So here's where the moment happens. Donald Trump is asked by Lester Holt about his tax returns. He knew he was going to be asked about his tax returns, and he gives the right response. Here was his original response on the tax returns. I will say this. Uh, We have a situation in this country that has to be taken care of. I will release my tax returns against my lawyer's wishes. When she releases her 33,000 emails that have been deleted, as soon as she releases them, I will release, I will release my tax returns. Okay, so he says that, and people cheer because, okay, he's ripping on her emails, and that's the proper response. And it goes on like this for a couple of minutes, and then Hillary hits him, and you see Donald Trump's head come off. I mean, you, you, see, you see that he just explodes. There's nothing, he can't help himself, he's insecure. He's a narcissist, and she's been prepping for this. This is the moment she's been prepping for. And somewhere, Kellyanne Conway is tearing out chunks of her own hair. And somewhere, Roger Ailes is rubbing his bald head against a, against a, a palm tree of some sort. Everybody is going nuts because you can see it happening in real time. If Donald Trump loses, this is the moment that Donald Trump lost the presidency of the United States. This exchange that you're about to see, this is it. Here we go. So you've got to ask yourself, why won't he release his tax returns? And I think there may be a couple of reasons. First, maybe he's not as rich as he says he is. Second, maybe he's not as charitable as he claims to be. Third, we don't know all of his business dealings, but we have been told through investigative reporting that he owes about $650 million to Wall Street and foreign banks. Or maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license and they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So if he's paid zero, that means zero for troops, zero for vets, zero for schools or health. And I think probably he's not uh, all that enthusiastic about 
having the rest of our country see uh, what the real reasons are, because it must be something really important, even terrible, that he's trying to hide. And the financial disclosure statement, they don't give you the tax rate. They don't give you all the details that tax returns would. And it just seems to me that this is something that the American people deserve to see. And I have no reason to believe that uh, he's ever going to release his tax returns because there's something he's hiding. And we'll guess. We'll keep guessing at what it might be that he's hiding. Uh, but I think the question is, were he ever to get near the White House, what would be those conflicts? Who does he owe money to? Well, he owes you the answers to that, and he should provide them. He also, he also raised the issue of your emails. Do you want to respond to that? I do. You know, I made a mistake using a private email. That's for sure. Um, and if I had to do it over again, I would obviously do it differently. Um, but I'm not going to make any excuses. It was a mistake, and I take responsibility for that. Mr. Trump? That was more than a mistake. That was done purposely, okay? That was not a mistake. That was done purposely. When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the Fifth so they're not prosecuted, when you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the Fifth, I think it's disgraceful. And believe me, this country thinks it's disgraceful. It really thinks it's disgraceful also. As far as my tax returns, you don't learn that much from tax returns, that I can tell you. You learn a lot from financial disclosure. And you should go down and take a look at that. The other thing, I'm extremely under-leveraged. Uh, the report that said 650, which, by the way, a lot of friends of mine that know my business said, boy, that's really not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money relative to Roy Head. Okay, that's where he loses it. That's where he loses it. And he loses it right there because he's got her, right, instead of pushing more on the private server, he's got the opening. You set up a private server in a bathroom. You did it days before you were elected Secretary of State. The only reason in the world for you to do that is to hide something from us. So you're saying I'm hiding things. I'm hiding things about my my personal finances. I've given you financial disclosures. You deleted 33,000 emails after making all of your emails vulnerable to foreign hack. The emails that we have seen show that you are trying to cover things up, including corrupt relationships between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. You've got everybody on your team, as he says, pleading the Fifth Amendment. You set up private email servers for everybody on your team, so none of this would be discoverable by FOIA requests. You are the corrupt one. So you want to rip on my personal finances? I'm a businessman, but you are working for the government, and you are lying about what you did. Instead, instead, because Donald Trump has the thinnest skin in the world, tissue thin, and it's maddening, Donald Trump instead starts talking about being under-leveraged. He starts talking about being under-leveraged. He talks. He, he goes on like that for like another minute and a half about all of the wonderful things about his business and why it's not a big deal if he takes loans and why he doesn't need to turn over his tax returns. And she's just sitting there grinning like a Cheshire cat. And then it gets worse. Then it gets worse. She hits him on his business again. And again, Donald Trump has no self-control, none. And so he feels the need to defend everything. And you can see from his face, he's ticked, he's upset, he's pissed off, and she's gradually getting happier because she knows that this idiot, and he is, he's a fool, that this fool is being played by her like a fish. It's really horrifying. And as the debate went on, he's constantly defending himself or saying incoherent things. And it moves from an issue like fair, like free trade, where he feels comfortable even when he's wrong, he feels confident and comfortable even when he's wrong, to issues where he has no idea what he's talking about. And so for the rest of the debate, you get a mishmash of absolute incoherent stupidity and him defending his own record in idiotic ways. So here's one of the examples of him defending his record in idiotic ways. If, if your main claim to be president of the United States is your business, then I think we should talk about that. You know, your campaign manager said that you built a lot of businesses on the backs of little guys. And indeed, I have met a lot of the people who were stiffed by you and your businesses, Donald. I've met dishwashers, painters, architects, Glass installers, marble installers, drapery installers, like my dad was, who you refused to pay when they finished the work that you asked them to do. We have an architect in the audience who designed one of your clubhouses at one of your golf courses. It's a beautiful facility. It immediately was put to use, and you wouldn't pay what the man 
needed to be paid what he was charging you. Maybe he do. didn't do a good job and I was well, unsatisfied with do, his work, do which our country do the, should do, do the too. the thousands of people that you have stiffed over the course of your business not deserve some kind of apology from someone who has taken their labor, taken the goods that they produced, and then refused to pay them? He can't help himself. He can't help himself. Right, and she she lays out this whole thing, and his response is, "Well, if they did a bad job, maybe I should stiff them," and that's what America should do too. That's his response. Again, the defensiveness, the ego of the man. His ego got him here, and his ego is what's going to take him down. He did the same thing again. He couldn't stop himself. Here's Donald Trump defending his business practices and just babbling nonsensically about crap. No one in the world cares about this stuff. No one in America cares about this stuff. He's got every avenue to hit her. Every avenue is open to hit her, and he's busy talking about what a wonderful guy he is because in the end, Donald Trump in a mirror is a match made in heaven. We need so, yeah, to I think be it's, very I do clear think it's about that. Look— it's all words. It's all sound bites. I built an unbelievable company. Some of the greatest assets anywhere in the world, real estate assets anywhere in the world, beyond the United States, in Europe, lots of different places. It's an unbelievable company. But on occasion, four times, we used certain laws that are there. And when Secretary Clinton talks about people that didn't get paid, first of all, they did get paid a lot but taking advantage of the laws of the nation. Now, if you want to change the laws, you've been there a long time, change the laws. But I take advantage of the laws of the nation because I'm running a company. It's, just, it's, it's just terrible My stuff. Obli- it's terrible stuff. Okay, now, the part of the problem here is that every avenue against her is open. Every avenue is open. And he's foregoing these avenues because he's too busy patting himself on the back and rubbing his own butt to worry about niceties like I'm in the middle of a presidential debate with an actual opponent. So watch what Hillary Clinton says about the police here. She leaves herself so wide open and Trump does nothing. No things. Zero things he does here. Here is Lester Holt asking Hillary Clinton about race relations. Secretary Clinton, last week you said we've got to do everything possible to improve policing to go right at implicit bias. Do you believe that police are implicitly biased against black people? Lester, I think implicit bias is a problem for everyone, not just police. I think, unfortunately, too many of us in our great country um, jump to conclusions about each other. And therefore, I think we need all of us to be asking hard questions about, you know, why am I feeling this way? But when it comes to policing, since it can have literally fatal consequences, I have said in my first budget we would put money into that budget to help us deal with implicit bias by retraining a lot of our police officers. You know what she just said right there? She just said every American is racist. Everyone in America is racist. Now, if you were paying attention or if he had a brain in his head, he would have said, Hillary Clinton, are you accusing every American of being a racist? And are you accusing all police officers of being secretly racist? And what sort of stupid training programs do you suggest to retrain our evil, evil police officers? I mean, he's got her on the road and nothing and nothing and nothing. Here's his answer. Here's his answer. She talks about gun control next. And here's his answer on gun control. His answer is to agree with her. First of all, uh, I agree. And a lot of people, even within my own party, want to give uh, certain rights to people on watch lists and no-fly lists. I agree with you. When a person is on a watch list or a no-fly list, and I have the endorsement of the NRA, which I'm very proud of. These are very, very good people, and they're protecting the Second Amendment. But uh, I think we have to look very strongly at no-fly lists and watch lists, and when people are on there, even— That's a Democrat policy. What he's talking about there is a Democrat policy because he's a Democrat, okay? Now, it continues along these lines. It continues along these lines, and— Here's and, and one of the other problems here is that Lester Holt really was quite bad yesterday. Donald Trump fact-checked Hillary Clinton at one point about the murder rate, and Donald Trump was totally right. But it doesn't. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the impl- the impression already is that he's out of control by this time in the debate. Well, it's also fair to say if we're going to talk about uh, mayors that. Under the current mayor, crime has continued to drop, including murders. So there uh, you're is. Wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm murders not. Murders are up. All right, you check. New York, New York has done an. And he's right, of course. The FBI says the murder was up in in major cities across America uh, last year. Most major cities in the United States with heavy black populations have seen a murder increase in the last couple of years. 
But again, it's it's too late. And you can see because of his mannerisms, he's irritated, he's irritable. This stuff matters, folks. I understand that the content is supposed to be king, but it isn't. If the content were king, neither of these two doofuses, doofi, would be on the stage. So there's a, there, there you have it. Trump was was continued to be all, all over the place. But when it really got bad for Trump is when Lester Holt decided, and this is when Lester Holt really started to intervene in a nasty way. Lester Holt, the moderator, decided to ask Trump about everything bad that he'd ever said. <laughs> and so he started off with the birther stuff. So this would be, this would be, um, this would be clip 20. You perpetuated a false claim that the nation's first black president was not a natural-born citizen. You questioned his legitimacy. In the last couple of weeks, you acknowledged what most Americans have accepted for years. The president was born in the United States. Can you tell us what took you so I'll, I'll tell you very, well, just very simple to say. Uh, Sidney Blumenthal works for the campaign and close, very close friend of Secretary Clinton and uh, her campaign manager, Patty Doyle, went to, during the campaign, her campaign against President Obama, fought very hard, and you can go look it up, and you can check it out, and if you look at CNN this past week, Patty Solis Doyle was on Wolf Blitzer saying that this happened. Blumenthal sent Matlachi, highly respected reporter at Matlachi, to Kenya to find out about it, they were pressing it very hard. She failed to get the birth certificate. Okay, so he's so now he's now he's on the defensive about the birther issue, and he ha he should have had a better answer than this. I'm sorry, this is a really crappy answer. And Holt follows up. He says, you know, I, I'll let you respond, but why exactly did it take you so long? And Trump still has no answer to it, and he falls apart. And Hillary just hits him across the face with a two by four, and it just continues along these lines. And again, because Trump has no capacity to acknowledge when he's wrong ever. Everything, every time that Trump does something wrong, he can't acknowledge it. So then Hillary continues, and she asks about Vladimir Putin hacking American, American institutions like the DNC. And Trump, because he likes Vladimir Putin, feels the necessity to defend Vladimir Putin. Again, this is just, he fell apart the last 60 minutes of the debate. This one is clip 23, if we've got that one. And as far as the cyber, I agree to parts of what Secretary Clinton said. Uh, we should be better than anybody else, and perhaps we're not. I don't think anybody knows it was Russia that broke into the DNC. She's saying Russia, 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 but I don't think maybe it was. I mean, it could be Russia, but it could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? You don't know who broke in to DNC. Okay, why is he defending Vladimir Putin? Because he's never been wrong ever. Because he's never been wrong. Donald Trump, in his own mind, has never made a mistake about anything, which is why he, when he was asked, do you ever repent? He said, I never repent before God because I just do things where I don't have to repent. From the guy who wrote in his autobiography that he brags about having sex with married women. That came home to roost last night because every mistake that he's made in this campaign, not even everyone, like a very small number of them were brought up, and he has no capacity to just back off of them. If he just did what Hillary Clinton did on the server, where she said, I just made a mistake, that's the end of it. He should have said, I made a mistake about the birther issue. I should have disowned it earlier. And if they ask, why didn't you? He said, I made a mistake. I can't say more than that. And that's it. And that's it. But he can't because he can never acknowledge that he made a mistake. And so his ego took him down yesterday. His ego really destroyed him. And as his ego began to destroy him, as he focused in on, on defending himself over and over and over, his, his verbiage just became more and more incoherent. So here was his answer. This, he, the, the question here was, what would you do about America's cybersecurity? And here was his answer, which legitimately, I mean, the only way you understand this is if you are Gary Johnson and you just smoked an enormous bong. So we have to get very, very tough on cyber and cyber warfare. Uh, it, is a, it is a huge problem. I have a son. He's 10 years old. He has computers. He is so good with these computers. It's unbelievable. The security aspect of cyber is very, very tough, and maybe it's, it's hardly doable. But I will say, we are not doing the job we should be doing. But that's true throughout our whole governmental society. We have so many things that we have to do better, Lester, and certainly cyber is one of them. No, cyber is one of them. I mean, what, what is he even talking about? What's he talking about? Do you know what he's talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's what became evident. As the debate went on, he ran out of material. He suddenly had to fill the time. He had nothing to fill it with. And so he filled it with pathetic defenses of himself, 
No attacks on Hillary. He ignores Benghazi. He ignores the Clinton Foundation. Neither of those is mentioned at any point during this debate. Hillary Clinton's historic incompetence as Secretary of State is only mentioned with regard to the Iran deal. Libya comes up one time in the entire debate. And it's amazing stuff. And then this, I thought, was the, the killer exchange. So Trump started to collapse it at minute 31. But this right here, and this is going to be right here, clip 26. Clip tw this is the moment when, if the debate matters, and now I'm gonna, I'll, I'll explain, the debate may not matter. It may not, after, after all this is said and done. This is the moment, if it matters, if the debate mattered at all, this is the moment when Donald Trump blew himself up. I mean, just strapped a, strapped a political suicide bomb to his chest and detonated it. Mr. Trump, you, with a lot of these are judgment questions. You had supported the war in Iraq before the invasion. What makes your judgment? I did not what, support the war two, in Iraq. 2002. That is a mainstream media nonsense put out by her because she, frankly, I think the best person in her campaign is mainstream media. My question Just, is, since you, you, would you like to hear? It, why is your, I was why against is your judgment? The war. Wait a minute. I was against the war in Iraq, just so you put it out. The record shows I, otherwise. The record but why does is, not show why that. Was you, is your the record any... shows that I'm right. When I did an interview with Howard Stern, very lightly, first time anyone's asked me that, I said, very lightly, I don't know, maybe, who knows, essentially. I then did an interview with Neil Cavuto. We talked about the economy is more important. I then spoke to Sean Hannity, which everybody refuses to call Sean Hannity. I had numerous conversations with Sean Hannity at Fox, and Sean Hannity said, and he called me the other day, and I spoke to him about it. He said, you were totally against war, because he was for the war. Why is and your we, judgment me, better than And that was before the war started. Sean Hannity said very strongly to me and other people, he's willing to say, but nobody wants to call him, I was against the war. He said, you used to have fights with me because Sean was in favor of the war. And I understand that side also, not very much because we should have never been there. But nobody calls Sean Hannity. And then they did an article in a major magazine shortly after the war started, I think in 04, but they did an article which had me totally against the war in Iraq. And one of your compatriots said, you know, whether it was before or right after, Trump was definitely, because if you read this article, there's no doubt. But if somebody, and I'll ask the press, if somebody would call up Sean Hannity, this was before the war started, he and I used to have arguments about the war. I said it's a terrible and a stupid thing. It's going to destabilize the Middle East, and that's exactly what it's done. It's my, been my, a disaster. My reference was to what you had said in 2002, and my question was, no, no, why, is you didn't hear what I said. why is your judgment any different than... Mrs. Clinton. Well, I have much better judgment than she does. There's no question about that. I also have a much better temperament than she has. You know, I have a much better. She spent, let me tell you, she spent hundreds of millions of dollars on an advertising. You know, they get Madison Avenue into a room. They put names. Oh, temperament. Let's go after. I think my strongest asset, maybe by far, is my temperament. I have a winning temperament. I know how to win. She does not have Secretary how to win. Clinton. Wait. The AFL-CIO the other day, behind the blue screen, I don't know who you were talking to, Secretary Clinton, but you were totally out of control. I said, there's a person with a temperament that's got a problem. Secretary Clinton. Woo, okay. <laughs> and she's grinning because he just made a, a jackass of himself. Okay, I played that long exchange because when you name check your bestie friend, Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity, call Sean. It's like he's looking to the rafters. Will Sean descend from a Mission Impossible style rope and save him from himself the way he's been doing the entire primary campaign? No, Sean Hannity is nowhere to be found. Why don't you just call my best friend, Sean Hannity? Regis, I want to use my lifeline. I need to use my lifeline, Regis. It's very important. I use my lifeline. I mean, come on. Come on. And then he finishes off with my, temper my temperament is great. He's a joke. What, I don't know what you people did. I don't know what you people did nominating this jackass to the Republican presidential nomination. And then you, you nominate a joke. You got to expect that people are going to laugh at him. And they laughed at him twice right there. And he deserved it both times because he made a fool of himself. So he took the first 30 minutes and he aggressively attacked Hillary Clinton and took the fight to her. And then he collapsed because he was more impressed with defending himself from stupid things. You know what the answer is there? You know what the answer is when they say, did you support the war in Iraq? He says, I wasn't in Congress. I didn't have to vote on it. You know who did? Hillary Clinton. But Trump has made a big deal out of opposing the war in Iraq. By the way, if I have to listen to one more Republican who backed the war in Iraq say that Donald Trump has great judgment because he didn't back the war in Iraq, you all backed the war in Iraq, okay? So now you're going to pretend that Donald Trump is a genius because he took the same position that Cindy Sheehan and Barack Obama did? 
Well, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's asinine. It's asinine. And Trump made a fool of himself right here. And it's clear that he made a fool of himself. But that wasn't the last moment where he made a fool of himself. Finally, Hillary drops the sexist line. And Trump utterly, utterly blows it. This is the final clip that we'll play from the debate. This is clip 29. Well, one, one thing, one thing, Very Lester, is, you know, he, he tried to switch from, from looks to stamina. But this is a man who has called women pigs, slobs, and dogs. And someone who has said pregnancy is an inconvenience to employers, who has said, said women don't deserve equal pay unless they do as good a job as Didn't men. And one of the worst things he said was about a woman in a beauty contest. He loves beauty contests, supporting them and hanging around them. And he called this woman Miss Piggy. Then he called her Miss Housekeeping because she was Latina. Donald, she has a name. Where did you find her? Her name Where is Alicia Machado. Where did you find her? And this? she has become a U.S. citizen, and you can bet oh, really? she's going to vote okay. this November. Okay, good. Let me just tell you. Mr. Trump, just you take you. 10 seconds and then you we're going to have the final question. Hillary is hitting me with tremendous commercials. Uh, some of it said in entertainment. Some of it said somebody who's been very vicious to me, Rosie O'Donnell. I said very tough things to her, and I think everybody would agree that she deserves it and nobody feels sorry for her. But you want to know the truth? I was going to say something Please, extremely rough to Hillary, to her family, and I said to myself, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's inappropriate. It's not nice. But she spent hundreds of millions of dollars on negative ads on me, many of which are absolutely untrue. They're untrue and they're misrepresentations. And I will tell you this, Lester, it's not nice. And I don't I, I, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. So in the end, he's playing the victim. In the end, he's the, he's the pathetic victim, and Hillary Clinton is the oppressor after she points out that he called a woman Miss Piggy and, and Miss Housekeeping because she was Latina, and he's got no comeback for that. Okay, so the debate ends, and everybody's spinning, of course. You've got the people spinning in favor of Trump. You've got the people spinning in favor of Hillary. I think it's pretty clear the first third of the debate he won walking away. The last two-thirds, he just fell apart. He spoke in incoherent, broken sentences. He has no clue what he's talking about. His level of education on these issues is less than mine was when I was in sixth grade. It's, it's really astounding that this guy is on a national presidential stage, and it's a disgrace to the United States that these two are facing off for the leadership of the free world. The only good thing about this election cycle is that at the end of it, one of the two worst people in the world will not be president. The bad news is one of the two worst people in the world will be president. But Trump utterly blew it last night. He looked like a fool. He looked unstable. He looked stupid. And he deserved to look stupid because he was stupid last night. He let his ego take control of him, and he fell apart. And Hillary sat there looking like the corrupt, evil Cheshire cat that she is. She gave him enough rope, and he hung himself. But he wasn't done. He wasn't done hanging himself. So this morning, right, now when you win a debate, then you're magnanimous. You say, I did a great job, and you know, I'm, I, was, I thought my opponent did a good job, and I thought the moderator did a good job. Here is Donald Trump this morning trying to come back from the Miss Universe line that Hillary Clinton dropped on him on Fox and Friends. If for a bit of added hilarity, watch the moderator's faces, watch the host's faces on Fox and Friends when Trump drops this one. She was a Miss Universe contestant and ultimately a winner who they had a tremendously difficult time with as Miss Universe. Did not know that story. Well, I didn't know either. What? what she was the, she she was the winner, and uh, you know she gained a massive amount of weight, and uh, it was it was a real problem. We had a we had a real problem. Not only that, her attitude, and we had a real problem with her. So, uh, Hillary went back into the years, and she found this girl. This was many years ago, and found the girl and talked about her like she was uh, Mother Teresa. Okay, that's your defense. So Hillary says you call a girl fat, and you say, you know what? She gained a lot of weight. Fatty. This is his genius comeback, and you can see the host going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why can't you shut up? Somewhere Kellyanne Conway is screaming into a pillow. Okay, that wasn't it. Then he claims that his microphone was rigged. So apparently in the room, they were having some trouble with the microphones, but Trump has to make excuses now. So the microphone, the reason that he did badly last night is because the microphone was rigged. This is his line this morning. I tested it. It was beautiful, like an hour before. I said, what a great mic. But in you actuality... You mean the people listening in, in the hall could not hear your Well, it was answers? on and off, and it was much lower than hers. Okay. Hmm. I right. don't want to believe in conspiracy theories, of course, but it was much lower than hers, and it was crackling. 
and she didn't have that problem. That was to me a bad problem because you know you have a bum mic, a mic it's not exactly good. Yeah. You know what? And then he said, well, maybe it was a conspiracy. So the, the just the, the sort of brilliance you're becoming accustomed to from the Republican nominee. Yeah, the, the idea that this was the this was the pick, this was the pick, is shocking. And then that wasn't it. The last night he was doing this weird thing, and he's been doing it for months. I don't know why people just noticed it last night. Where when he's really amped up and he's speaking, he he said he did it during the the primary debates. He would say something, and then he would finish a sentence, and he would do this. He would finish. I'm going to finish the sentence now. Okay, now he's going to continue, and he's doing that sniffle. And people were saying, I don't know what the hell that is. What's that all about? Here's Trump denying it ever happened. It never happened. Perhaps we'll be talking about that later. So our country's in deep trouble. As people started making fun of him, you can hear him sniffling, and then he came back and he said, well, no, no, I wasn't sniffling. It never happened. It never happened. Okay, so great. Okay, meanwhile... You've got the, the typical defenders, and this just shows you how ridiculous this race has become. Sean Hannity, so, so a little late, right? Trump calls for Sean Hannity to run on stage and give him a big hug, and Sean can't do it. And Sean, by the way, is, I mean, he acts like Sean Hannity. He says everybody in America should call Sean Hannity and ask Sean's opinion. First of all, I didn't know that that was admissible evidence in a presidential debate. I very much look forward to any time I'm criticized in a presidential debate saying, you know, I had a conversation with my best friend 26 years ago. And I think you should call them up right now, and they'll testify. I mean, like, really? Sean Hannity has a nationally syndicated radio show. He's the second biggest radio host in America. And he has a massive, radio, a massive show on Fox News. Anytime in here, he could have said Trump was anti-war. But he waits until last night, and then he says, yeah, it turns out, it turns out Trump was right. It turns out Trump was always right. He says, 100% true. He would watch the show and call. And after, we argued a lot about it. Well done, Sean. That, that, that changes everything. That's, that's admissible evidence. So just just wonderful. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz fulfilling the Boss Tweed. I mean, listen, this hurts me to say because I like Ted Cruz personally. Boss Tweed has a, a famous line, uh, the old kind of corrupt New York politician, had a famous line about politicians he liked. He said, the way that you know an honest politician is that after you buy him, he stays bought. So Ted Cruz came out on Friday and endorsed Trump. And then he was on with, uh, and then he was on with, the, um, with, with Hugh Hewitt. And he decided to uh, to go full scale. Donald Trump did the best debate anybody's ever heard of. Tell me what you saw last night. Well, last night I thought it was a very strong debate. Uh, I thought Hillary did not have a good performance. Um, I think throughout the night uh, she was tired. She was formulaic. Uh, it the entire debate from Hillary was more Washington as usual, and every proposal she advanced was another big government solution uh, that, that isn't working, that is failing. Uh, and, and I thought Donald had the strongest debate performance he's had of this election cycle. I think he really went after Hillary, uh, which was a good thing. Uh, and I think he drew strong contrast, particularly on taxes and on regulation and on law and order and on the disastrous Iran deal. And, and so I thought it was a good debate. Night. It's just, okay, really? Really, did you? Did you, Ted? Or is it just that now that you've decided that you're going to make this call, now you're going to go full full bore for Trump so that no one can blame you if Trump loses? And it's just that honesty has gone completely by the wayside in this election, but I suppose I should have given that up long ago. By the way, Frank Luntz did a focus group last night. Here's what the focus group had to say about this debate. Who had the biggest impact on your vote? How many of you say Donald Trump? Raise your hands. Two, four, five of you. How many of you say Hillary Clinton? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen of you. So she comes out the clear winner. We're surrounded by some of the great people, Alexander Hamilton and James Madison. Do these candidates measure up? Do you feel better? No? no. Why are you laughing? For me, she is an right. amazing politician. Right. That doesn't she mean she's going to be a good so president. Confident and she was confident. She was well-spoken. I don't believe her any more than I did before. <laughs> I felt People want to know, a, a 16 to 5 margin is a big margin. It's bigger than almost any debate I've done in a long time. Where did she do so well, or why didn't Trump do so well? Somebody. She yes. Like she he went off message. She... Recently, he's been very good with his speeches and his appearances where he has stayed on message, no personal attacks, just sold himself and his plan instead of attacking. And tonight, tonight he went back to attack. 
But, but Donald it's not Trump was more um, interested in just digging into her and just tearing her down. This is what's and, amazing. Um, okay, so when you stop just, it there, it's not even true. It's not even true, right? He didn't spend most of the debate attacking her. The first half an hour he did, but that's when he was winning. It was the last part when he was defending himself that he fell apart. And people see his defenses of himself as him being aggressive and puerile. That's what's amazing. The perception of the people watching is not what actually happened. But if you look defensive, you look nasty. And he looked nasty. And he looked stupid. Because he is a nasty, stupid man. Okay, here's the fact about this election. Every accusation Hillary Clinton makes about Donald Trump is likely true. Every accusation Donald Trump makes about Hillary Clinton is likely true. That means whichever one of them stays on offense more is likely to win. Is likely to win. And about half an hour in, Donald Trump stopped being on offense because he can never just take the criticism and move on. He can never just take the hit and move on. Okay, so time now, now quick, quick note, and then we'll get to things I like and things I hate. So quick note here. Will this make any difference? It's possible this makes no difference in the polls. The exit polls showed, uh, there's a CNN poll showed that, that I think 62% of people thought Trump, uh, Trump lost, 27% thought he won. So really bad poll for Trump. But among independents, 26% said they were more likely to vote Hillary, 22% more likely to vote Trump. The rest don't know. So it's possible the polls don't move. If next week the polls have not moved, if he's still running an extraordinarily tight race with her, if she doesn't get any sort of bump, if she doesn't get a three to five point bump, He's going to be the president because it's clear that Americans are just looking for an excuse to vote for him. Because after that debate, you have ex every excuse not to vote for him because that was an egregious performance. I thought he made. I thought. I thought he was incoherent. I thought he made an ass of himself. I mean, it's really it's disappointing on every level because the one thing that everyone was looking forward to was Donald Trump taking the fight to her, and instead he spent the entire time talking about himself, which is his favorite topic. Okay, time for some things I like and some things I hate. So, things I like. So, there's this book that I just finished. I've become a big fan of this author, at least her historical novels, Hilary Mantel. And the book is called A Place of Greater Safety. And uh, it's about the French Revolution. It's about Robespierre Danton and uh, Desmoulins, who I'm pronouncing this wrong, I'm sure, who's a, a journalist at the time. And it's a really kind of good, close, almost day-to-day -day look at what's happening during the French Revolution. And it shows you how people's perceptions of, of their own virtue can lead to widespread murder, how people who might be corrupt, actually, they, they, they can turn out to be more principled than some of the people who actually think that they're virtuous. Really, really fascinating book. I really like her work. I think Wolf Hall, which is the book she wrote about Thomas Cromwell and its sequel, I think those are very, very good. This book is less read, but it is a very good book, A Place of Greater Safety by Hilary Mantel. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so we begin with our good friend, Rick Amu Perry. So, Rick Perry, ever since he has left the presidential stage, has been searching for a gig. And his latest gig is on Dancing with the Stars. Every time he's on Dancing with the Stars, from now until he is booted off, we will play tape of him because it is high Lario. Uh, so here is Rick Perry, the four-term governor of, of uh, oh my God. Rick Perry, the four-term governor of the state of Texas, one of the most successful governors in the history of the United States. And there he is on Dancing with the Stars next to a dancer in a Hillary Clinton mask as he makes a muscle. Yep. That's what I You wonder why reality TV stars are now politicians? Maybe it's because politicians are actually reality TV stars. It doesn't start with Rick Perry. He's just the latest iteration. Okay, other things that I hate. Katy Perry, uh, she does something that they say that this is unique, but I failed to see how Katy Perry unclad is unique. I thought that was basically her entire shtick. Uh, she's doing a get-out-the-vote routine by voting naked. Ooh, a starlet who's getting naked. There is something unique. Hi, I'm Katy Perry. You know, November 8th is Election Day, and I've got some great news. This year, you can look like shit when you vote. Perfect. Yep, I've briefly scanned the Constitution, and nowhere does it say you can't just roll out of bed and come to the polls in whatever state you woke up in. In the name of democracy, any just out of bed look is A-OK. -okay. A child's onesie. Hunk and kids briefs. That free XL t-shirt you got from your bank. The breakout. The Scrooge. Sleeping Beauty. Covered in slime. Did I mention the hunk in the kids' briefs? Or, if you're like me, I sleep naked. Yep. 
Let those babies loose, because no ma'am? one ever said All right, ma'am. What? All right, that's hey. enough of that. No, no, no. I read the Constitution. I know that I have the right to vote naked. Did you read it, or did you just briefly scan it? Come on. No, 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 no. Come on. Let's go. You too? Scratch that. Gotta wear clothes. My bad. See you at the polls November 8th! You're going to vote because you saw this? Please don't. Please never vote ever, ever again. Please never vote. Please stay home. Please wear clothes also. It's just, the, the celebrities are so horrible. And the fact, whenever they get involved in politics, it's the end of the world, which is why we should have nominated one. What did you people do? Okay. Finally. Okay, so fi- it's time for a little bit of deconstructing the culture. I know, I know. The extra longest show of all time, but let's do it. Deconstructing the culture. Okay, so today's Deconstructing the Culture is everybody's favorite, Adele. She has a new song, Send My Love to Your New Lover. I think that Adele is wildly overrated. I think that her voice is okay. I think her songs are boring. Uh, I think that people are, are attributing to her magical powers that she simply does not have. Um, but here is Adele's new song, Send My Love to Your New Lover. Just standing there for people who are just listening. She's not doing anything. This was all you, none of it me. You put your hands on, on my body and told me. Mm-hmm. You told me you were ready for the big one, for the big jump. I'd be your last love, everlasting you and me. Mm-hmm. That was what you told me. Number two, she, she has no range, Adele. Every time she, she hits a note that's, that's a sixth above where she begins, she has to actually go into her head voice. But beyond that, I just want to point out some of the lyrics here. So this is milder than the rap that we played last week, because if you go to the rap top 40, it's just all sin and perdition. But here, there's an underlying theme. So she says, you put your hands on, on my body and told me, you told me you were ready for the big one, for the big jump. I'd be your last love everlasting, you and me. I'm giving you up. I've forgotten it all. You set me free. Send my love to your new lover. Treat her better. We've got to let go of all of our ghosts. So this is a stellar case for marriage, gang. Okay, so what she's saying here is that she got in bed with some dude because he made promises to her, and then it didn't work out, and now she wants him to treat the new lover better because she moved on with her life. But clearly she hasn't gotten over it because she's still singing about it, right? So this is, this is, it's the mentality of today's modern young person, the last couple of generations, really the last three generations, is this idea, what you need is, just, for sex, all you need is commitment. Commitment, love and commitment, that's it, just love. Love, commitment, those are the things. Okay, when I teach my kids about sex, they're two and a half and, and four months, so it's a little early. When I teach them about sex, whenever that is, what I'm going to say is, when a man and a woman get married, they have sex. Now, technically speaking, you know, they, that's just as accurate as when a man and a woman fall in love. There are plenty of people who have sex who never fall in love. They just have sex, right? But the idea is that you have to teach your kid the moral standard from the beginning. So normally, the way that they preach this on TV is when man and a woman love each other, they make love. No, 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 no. When a man makes a, an actual commitment to a woman where he is now bound to her and she makes a mutual commitment back to him, then it's the appropriate time for sex because then it's not just a guy saying anything to get a girl in bed. I know there are all these single women out there who are under the misimpression that men are out for your best interest. It's amazing the sort of dichotomy that exists among a lot of single women, not all single women, obviously, but a lot of single women think two things. One, men are pigs. Two, the guy I'm dating is one of the nicest people who ever lived, and he only wants the best for me, and he definitely will not use me. The guy I just met at the bar five minutes ago, all men are pigs except for the guy I just met at the bar five minutes ago who will never hurt me because he told me he wouldn't. Okay, ladies, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. It turns out that men will say pretty much anything to have sex. They will say virtually anything to have sex. All men need is a time and a place. So the theme of this song to me is, you know, she can sit around, she can whine about how, you know, send my love to your new lover. Or she could have just said, you know what, you're not getting in the sack with me until I'm actually ready to get married and you're actually ready to get married. And then, you know what, I'm not going to have to worry about you sending my love to your new lover because there's no new lover. 
because now you're married and you're boxed in. Right? I mean, you could do that, but that social standard has become taboo now. And it's considered, what's amazing is it's considered sexist against women for me to suggest that men should have to commit to the woman before having sex with her. Now, again, it's, it's your choice. If you want to live Adele's lifestyle and you feel like jumping sack to sack with men, if you feel like having sex with a guy because he says he loves you and then he takes off and then he moves on to his new lover and you feel like singing this song to yourself alone in your stupid Toyota Camry, it's all you. You can do whatever you please. It's a free country. But if you would like to live a happier life, let me just recommend the basic old-fashioned moral standard. Demand of a man an actual real commitment before you have sex with him and you will actually end up with a better life. And lest anybody say, oh, it's impossible, you can't do that. I was 24 and I got married, I was a virgin. My wife was 20 when she married me. She was also a virgin. And guess what? We have a wonderful, happy sex life. We have two beautiful children. We've been married for now, let's see, we were married in 2008. So we've been married for eight years now. Uh, and um, you know, no end in sight. Everything is going swimmingly. And that's because we made a mutual commitment to each other before we decided to hop in the sack with one another. And by the way, the statistics prove this. If you live with somebody before you're married, the chances of that marriage actually lasting are significantly lower than if you didn't live with them before you're married. So strike one up for traditional marriage. Uh, or I guess you can do emo singing with Adele, if that's your thing. Okay, so tomorrow, Thomas Sowell is joining the program, which is a great honor for us, obviously, one of the foremost public intellectuals in the United States. He'll be joining us tomorrow. I think Thursday we're going to have on Andrew Clavin, and we'll do a, a Jew versus Christianoff. Um, and, uh, and so that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, and we'll talk about his new book. I'm getting a lot of flack for posting about it. I'll explain why I do that on the show on Thursday. Uh, so that's coming up, plus the mailbags. A lot more coming up this week. Plus, I'm sure there will be new polls reflecting what happened in the debates last night. For the moment, though, we sign off today. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> we'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.